Ralph Waldo Emerson said, In my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way, and in that, I can learn from him. This means every single person you've ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person, and therefore has something to teach you, and you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every room full of people you walk into is both a library and your stage. And the better you get at getting to know people, the value they each inherently bring, and how to share it with others, the greater the impact you can make on the world. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I've created a system called the Relationship Flywheel, designed to create impact through relationships at scale. And this podcast is a living document of how to do it. So hit subscribe right now. If you want to learn how to get to know people, get them to know you, and build a world-class network. Some episodes will be interviews, some episodes will be regular calls with people building rapport, and some will be tactical advice to teach you how to build your own relationship flywheel and achieve anything you want. Now smash that subscribe button and let's get connected. I loved listening to your outro. It's, it's like an outro, right? Your rap my outro. last call, my, 20, yeah, my no, 2019 good. last call. Yeah, that's a good beat. Did, did you grow up listening to hip hop? Yeah. That, huh? Did you grow up listening to hip hop? Yeah, yeah, man. I'm um, I'm a I'm a Miami kid, right? So, I I grew up. I I feel like I grew. I've been a chameleon in everything that I do always, right? Like moving around different continents under the age of nine. Like I always kind of adapt. So I've, mm-hmm. I, I definitely went through my like punk rock phase. I went mm-hmm. through my, you know, like my metal phase, but I, mm-hmm. you know, hip hop, hip hop is my like love of art, I think totally. So yeah, I, I, I would say so, but I don't want to represent myself as somebody that's always been true to the game, you know, but. Right, right. <laughs> Well, listen, I, I can relate. I lived on three continents before. I was seven, eight years old also. And, and so I get it about changing schools and being a chameleon. I had a, my metal phase, you know, my the Guns N' Roses and Metallica still come up on my shuffle, you know. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm still into, into it, right? Like, yeah. I think anything, honestly, man, the only thing I'm really loyal to is teenage angst, right? Like anything, <laughs> anything that makes me think about how pissed I was at my parents when I really didn't have a reason to be pissed at my parents was is, is what I like to listen to. <laughs> how old are you, man? 39 last week. Get used okay, to so we're like the same age. Okay, yeah. cool. All right, man. Happy birthday, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank I you. turned I turned 30, I turned 40 recently. Oh, like, wow. You know, okay, awesome. So when was your birthday? Contemporaries, November second. Cool. So pretty recently. Uh, yeah. Know, cool. <laughs> and you're in Miami now. No, I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville. Okay. Yeah. How about you, man? I'm in uh, Park City, Utah. Oh, awesome. Very good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in. Uh, I was in Colorado for about ten years. We just came out to Park City, my girlfriend and I, back in November. And yeah, I've lived in lived in a bunch of Latin countries. Of the lived in. Argentina and Costa Rica. I lived in France for some time. I'm a Canadian. That's where I grew up and uh, born in born in Iran. So I know all about the the chameleon trait. You know, it's important. 
Yeah. I, listen, man, I, I, I credit my emotional intelligence to that, right? Like the, the idea, I'm not an asshole American or an, or an asshole Miamian <laughs> because, <laughs> because I've been around, right? Like I remember, I remember growing, it's funny, man. I, um, being, so I'm, a, I'm originally Venezuelan. Oh, cool. And, uh, and then left Venezuela as a kid, came to Miami, then we moved to Spain and then came back and my dad's Cuban and wow. growing up in Miami back then, it was like everybody, all my peers were sons of Cubans and I was like the only Venezuelan kid. And mm. then now, you know, Venezuela has had this mass migration and mm. now I see the complete, you know, like the next mm. generation is exactly who I was, but I don't know, man, I guess, I guess I've always been an outsider, like I've always been an insider because I've known how to be cool, I guess, but I've mm -hmm. always felt very much like an outsider, right? Now that's <clears throat> really marked me for a long time. And I haven't really, until I got really loud about it, I didn't really find a lot of people mm. that could really relate to that. But now I find a lot of community in that, right? Like there's tons of people like that. Hey, we left Iran in 84 after a revolution during a war. So yeah. I, I, I get it, you know, I get it. And I, and I get the whole notion of, yeah, the social skills that one develops to really fit in and to, to make it work. I mean, there's a, a, a human adaptability element to that, right? And it's interesting because I think you and I, we both value community building so much. So it's, it's oh, yeah. it, I don't know, it, there's a, it's not a coincidence, is it? You know, it's a, the importance of connecting and bringing people together and yeah, I, I'm going to assume you get a lot of juice out of that, you know? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm like an extreme extrovert, right? Like I, I, like when I come home from a conference, my wife's like, just go in the other room and leave me alone for three days. You're a crackhead. You know, like, <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, totally, man. Very much, very much driven to community, very much because of that initial feeling of being the only kid in preschool that didn't speak English, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, I can, I can very, and I also feel that my ability to communicate is very influenced by the fact that I always think from the outside in, not from the inside out, right? Like I'm always mm. thinking about how are you thinking about what I'm saying much more than like, mm. what am I trying to tell you? And I think that's always been very natural to me. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. But listen, man, I, I think, I really think we're onto some very similar shit. Right? <laughs> like you, you are, you are doing, community development for corporate culture, I'm doing community development for business development. Like, I think it very much marries very, very nicely. I think it's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, like I said, I listening to your, your origin track. Yeah. It was, it was just, it was a great way to actually, it was a great way to get to know someone and I'm just listening to it. And yeah, just so many key elements. I'm, yeah. I'd love to hear more about how that's going, what you've been finding and Love to share what I've been my notes too. Hopefully, I could help you with what you're Please, doing. Dude, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. I'm gonna try to be quick because I can start talking and never shut up, right? But first of all, I just put out a 2020 last call, so I did. I did the same thing I did for 2019 for 2020. Literally, just released that on my podcast. Highly recommend it. It's okay. an even better version. So a different, a more like Latiny kind of beat, right? Like it's it's kind of cool. Anyways, whatever. Yeah. So. 20, you know, I finished, you know, you kind of got that story 2019, right? And I got my first like really big client end of end of 2019, right? Like December 28th, they sign. And it's this uh, turnkey rental income property investing mm -hmm. company, right? Like I literally just closed on our <laughs> rental property yesterday with them. And, and they've really interesting business model where they've kind of turned buying a rental income property into like as close to ease of use as like buying a T-bill, right? Like I ba they basically, as long as I can qualify for a mortgage, 
I put down 28 grand. They just gave me a three bedroom, two bathroom house that they acquired, that they property managed for the life of it. They gave me a portfolio manager that, you know, it's cash flow positive day one. They teach me how to reinvest that money or keep that money, you know, like everything I got to do with that in order to achieve this like 12% ROI that is independent of appreciation, right? So like if his, if historical home price appreciation pans out, then it's more like a 26% ROI kind of thing in a market cycle. Wow. And they also kind of invented the build to rent business model. They've been on the front page of the Wall Street Journal a couple of times, Inc. 5000, like nine years in a row, you know, like really, really super legit company. So they engaged me, as I said, in that track, right? My biggest aha moment was when I realized that content is the magnifier of relationship building right? So what we're doing right now, whatever you like that I say and your facial reactions when I say something and your eyes light up, when I chop that up and share that, it lands somewhere in the 60 to 90% of the same effect that we're having right now, but just like at scale on LinkedIn, right? So when I first started, I was just ripping off the YPO model, right? Like I was just like having like a mastermind where I would follow the same like let's iterate and ask questions and blah, 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 and record it and help each other out and distribute it into a Facebook group so people can re- can see it. So when I started positioning it as a content machine, as like content marketing, then it spoke more to like that external kind of want that somebody like engages you with. So I, I walked in the door with these guys as like, I know you're trying to make online content to like showcase your business. And, and this is the way to do it, right? Like if you structure it a certain way to create a community inside your inside your business, then it can happen, right? So like when we started it, my formula is value relationships content, right? That's like what I call my relationship flywheel. And if you can understand who you're trying to serve and, you know, have the humility to understand that your solution is only one part of what they're looking for. And then you take inventory and in your clientele themselves, in your network, in people that are within arm's reach of your network, and you design what I call a stage, right? Like a weekly interaction point, which I learned from doing young professional groups for charities of just like, kind of like a chamber of commerce event where you are hosting a Zoom call that people show up, you're having a webinar, but you're really interviewing somebody that's interesting that relays to a solution that is provided to your clientele, right? So for these guys investing in Jacksonville, investing in rental income properties in Jacksonville, it's like, they need to be educated on real estate. They need to be educated on investing in asset classes. They need to be educated on the future of the Jacksonville market or else you're not going to buy a house here for 30 years. They need to be educated on who JWB leadership is. And then, you know, if we can do all that via clients that actually have invested with them, then it's a bonus, right? Because they also want to know, is this for me, right? So hmm. we just created this Not Your Average Investor Show that's been a weekly call of us interviewing people that fit those profiles going into it with, you know, the idea that we're not interviewing them for a long-term testimonial as much as we're interviewing them for value, right? Like value to the client's self. And that's the value piece. And then we send out an email saying, hey, we're talking to this person about how they bought five houses in the 401k and became financially, in the, you know, like and grew their portfolio by whatever, right? So like people show up to the call. Then when you're on that call, you are enabling three relationships, the relationship between the strategic relationship that you're having on that stage, that's like equivalent to that, like dinner out, tell me about your hopes and dreams, what you, what you care about, what's your superpower, how can I make you look good, right? Who can I introduce you to? Having that relationship, enabling the relationship with the audience, right? So like now the co-founder of JWB, we had 70 people on, on today's call. So those 70 people feel like they just had an hour call with him without having to take an hour call per person, right? So, mm-hmm. and they get to ask questions. So, so that's like, 
really your clients always have like one question and it takes you half an hour to like get through it and, and talk to them, right? Mm-hmm. So you're enabling that relationship and then you're enabling the relationship between the guest and the and the audience member. So what does that look like? It's not like I get a question and I, and I say, what's the what's the deal with the Jacksonville school district? I say, oh, Julie from Oregon, who's been here a couple of times, she's an investor and blah, 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 blah. She's got kids. She's wondering about the school districts and, and or, you know, like you make the question phrased as like a, a, a warm intro to the guest mm. so that everybody feels like they get a piece of that stage. And mm. then you take those interactions and you repurpose the mm. shit out of it. Right. So like out of, out of like the one hour call, I'm making a one hour branded YouTube show, best of 10 minutes, like YouTube segment. I'm making the five to seven best like interaction teaching moments that happened in the conversation form formatted perfectly for LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram with that like hook story offer kind of mentality where there's like the first five seconds and then brand and then the whole story happens. And there's a headline that makes you stop and look at it. And the copy is stop and look at it. Right. So Mm -hmm, you make mm -hmm. five to seven of those. We, we take the five best like questions asked and we make it a Q&A format where we put the person's name on there. And we're like, this person asks this and then it's the answer to the question. We take the five best things said and turn it into quote cards. We take the audio, turn it into a podcast. We take the lessons learned and turn it into an email blast, bullet pointed. We expand on the bullet points into an SEO optimized blog. So now it becomes not just one interaction that you have with all these people, but it also becomes mass value add marketing content pieces. And the more you kind of drive that flywheel, you know, like when you're inviting someone on and you're just not inviting them on to like talk to your clientele, but you're also making a bunch of promotional material for them, right? Like you start getting better and better guests. The audience starts getting bigger and bigger. The content is more and more valuable, better guests, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's a flywheel. So that that's been, so it's kind of like a mastermind. It's kind of like a public mastermind kind of yeah. thing, but making yeah. content to promote everybody that's a part of it. And everybody gets a piece of that stage and it becomes this gravitational force around the company. And we just wrapped up 2020. They had their, you know, they've been around 14 years, Inc. 5000, right? Like biggest quarter they've ever had, biggest pipeline going into Q1. And and yeah, man, so now I got the book coming out in a little while and, and my formula's out. And now I'm like onboarding clients like crazy. And I'm in like full sprint building up this agency to, to, to build this as a service, you know, for client acquisition, man, which I call community creation for client acquisition, right? So that's, I think that's it's so cool. <laughs> so, so cool. Such a, such a great way to just the way you put it, just to, to, to repurpose information and to, and so the person on the stage is, is the, is the, 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 the company founder. Is that, that's the person you're interviewing? So think of it like as a chamber of commerce panel, man, like I'm, I'm right. the moderator, so there's the a few people. The founder of the company is on the stage and the guest is 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 on the stage as well. And I'm just got it. Enabling a relate, you know, a, a conversation with them. the conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you're a sports fan, but I call myself the play-by-play guy. I call the 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 founder of the company the color commentator and I call the guest the game. You know, right. so yeah, that's what yeah. it's about. Yeah, very cool. That's 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 so great. I love it. Yeah, man. So it's just been fun, man. Like I, you know, we just wrapped up, like I said, we had this you know, we're setting records with them. And then, you know, like we started our first show was January 28th and December 22nd, we have a fan appreciation show. Like this was a webinar, bro. You know what I mean? Like we have a fan appreciation Mm -hmm. webinar where it's like an hour and a half of just person after person coming on and talking about like, this has been so valuable to me. I'm part of a community. Like, you know, I so valued the authenticity and the transparency and the vulnerability. And this is why I'm doing business with you. 
So like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it, I felt like Jordan walking away after his first ring kind of thing. Right. Like I, like, mm-hmm. I feel like I proved my thesis. Now it's mm-hmm. like, how big can I, how big can I go with this thing? And really at the end of it, man, it's my, my deep desire to prove that the person in front of you is not a threat. It's an asset, right? Like the more different the person is, the more you can learn from them. And, mm-hmm. you know, if we can really drive that message in, which I feel like you're doing as well, then we're really solving a major, major problem. <laughs> that is, we're going to densify and it's going to lead to a bunch of conflict. And if we don't start to understand that piece, we're, we're all in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And uh, yeah, I think I know that uh, I can relate to that feeling of when, when someone has that, uh, that experience and you know what that's like, you know, for you having sort of cultivated that connection. And like you said, it, you know, Ultimately, it is a webinar, but it's a webinar with a lot of feeling and emotion and in and, and, uh, and, and connection. And then yeah, that's why it's, that's why it's not just a webinar, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally, man. And like, you know, I talk about those three relationships, but there's the fourth relationship, which is the people in the chat by themselves have all become friends. You know, like oh, we're all right. we're also driving everybody to a Facebook group that's now a twenty two hundred person Facebook group, right? Like so, wow. you know, like you, it is that interconnectivity kind of like you know, the, the collective, the collective value increases exponentially. Ah, so cool. So yeah, yeah, I love it. So yeah, that's like, since, since what you heard, that's kind of like what I've been up to and, and it's exciting, right? Like I just got a, I got a partner now, man. Like, you know, things are going great, man. I absolutely want to build my company out to be employee owned, right? Like I, that, that yeah. is that, you know, like we are totally in our business plan, launch mode, core values and mission and vision and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, we got to figure out a way to get this to the point that it's, it's employee owned. So I very much believe in everything that you're doing, right? Like super into it, but yeah, tell me, tell me kind of, what are you, you know, I listen, I listen to that podcast. Uh, I love all of it, right? Like, what am I missing? (laughs) Like, what are you, what are you trying to, uh, the the podcast with, with Carrie? Yeah. 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 Gosh, I kept trying to remember even what I said on that podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think you probably have most of it. You know, I've you know, I, I was on a, a on a bus to you know in grade nine, you know, on the way to school, and I remember reading in the newspaper about this guy that was sort of turning around businesses, and you know, and and I was like, wow, what a cool thing! You know, this guy is like totally getting people to work well together and 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 changing the culture. And years later, I realized no, it was like a, just straight up private equity play, and he was actually just kind of financial engineering. I was like, oh, well, that's actually not as, that's not what I thought it was, but boy, what a cool idea to actually kind of go into businesses and turn them around and to really get people to work really great together and just to create success with and through people. And so that just, you know, the, 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 the seed was sort of planted in my mind and, and I did, I'd done that sort of in the early, earlier part of like the 2012, 13, 14. And and you know, my big thing after became was okay. Well, h- how do you kind of do that at scale? You know, how do you how do you transform culture at scale? How do you create connectivity and engagement? And how do you get people to really see eye to eye? People who work together, people who spend so much time together. You know, and so that's it's interesting. After like you know, I, ex- I exited a business three year, two and a half, three years ago. I guess it's probably the one you heard of. It's uh, it was the, the manufacturing facility. You know, employing all ex cons and. And so at that point, so, so so I can relate with you this notion of having your thesis proven. That's a, that's a big thing, you know, especially if your thesis is different than anything that's ever been done before. Totally. You know, the, the the validation of that, I was like, cool. I had this like notion, maybe it was idealistic. It works. People pay for it. I mean, it, it created real value. 
And then, similar to you, I said, well, well, how do you do this at scale? Because the dream for me is to create employee-owned companies at scale or, or, or transition them at scale. Yeah, yeah. And um, in order to do that, you know, you know it's, a, it's a fund you know, to, to finance and to sort of chaperone these companies into that sort of process and an ability to transform culture at scale. How do you, how do you transform culture at scale? Because you know, when I first started trying to raise my fund doing this five years ago, investors said to me, okay, well, you've proven that you can do it, you know, but there's one of you. And if there's 10 companies in the, in the portfolio, you know, how are you going to really do that? And so that's really, that's, that's sort of been the big thing that I've been, that, that was like really the purpose of my book and so this platform that I've created uh, as a result of it that sort of, t- you know, takes people on this journey of creating these sort of forum groups within their workplace and finding that, you know, that one hour of the week where you just get really real you know, I call them like kind of cultural incubators where you spend an hour for that hour. You know, an amazing thing happens when you just at the beginning of a meeting, you say, look, everything we talk about stays here. Let's just let's just be real. You have kind of a guided conversation. An amazing thing, thing happens because people just they'll start pushing the boundaries a little bit. So, you know, they're not going to reveal everything the first time, but a little bit this time, a little bit next time. And they realize, wow, this is a much better way of just being together. And, you know, and the rest of that, you know, you know, what sort of comes of it. Yeah, man. Listen, I think, I think being genuine is addictive, bro. (laughs) You know, like once you, I, I, I feel it very, so before, you know, before all this, right. I, I came in as like a turnaround guy inside of an e-commerce company, right? Like an e-commerce software and I did basically what you're talking about. Like this was, th- this is the first time that I proved my thesis, right? Like I had learned this stuff, building young professional groups for charities in Miami of, you know, bringing people together around meeting somebody important and then asking them to do stuff for you kind of, kind of thing, right? That that's how, that's how we created these like young professional groups. And then when I took over this e-commerce, this as VP of business development for this like e-commerce software, I jumped on a burning ship, right? Like, and it was like the first time I've ever gone against my dad's best advice, right? Like it was like, no, I'm not going to go take this $130,000 head of business development for uh, another construction company. I'm going to go join this startup because I want to test this theory out in outside of a community environment. And I did exactly what you're talking about, right? Like I, it was, but with the clientele, like it was hmm. this software was spinning out of control, you know, like really mercurial CEO that had send a bunch of people to shit. The software wasn't really working well. Like uh, An old client brought on a one-to-one competitor and I'm like, how do I solve churn? And I just brought on my, like my 12 most successful clients. I brought them on and did exactly what we we're talking about. Every other week, just a therapy session, right? Like show up with oh, a little bit of value, have a therapy session. And within like two, three months, they were best friends, right? Like within, with, within two, three months, it's like Serbian dude. That was like real. I'll never forget it, right? Like this, like Serbian dude that was like real cold was like, you know, I just have to say, I've never had a group of friends like this. Like I, you know, I, I've always been alone at top of mountain and like being here with other Kings, you know, <laughs> I'm like, this is amazing. Fantastic. Right. Like, Fantastic. but, but yeah, man, I think being enabling people to be genuine and like embracing vulnerability and, and, and seeing the power that comes with that is, is, is like, it's, it's addictive, right? Mm-hmm. It is addictive. You're right. It's really interesting that you've done it. Your focus has really been sort of on the on the clients. You're you're a biz dev guy, and so it's really been around doing that for clients and building a community of clients 
so it's like I, I I'm I'm thinking out loud here. So I obviously, I guess it creates like a retention amongst the clients because they're oh. part of a community of yeah. that company. Dude, if you buy a Harley Davidson, you can't get a Japanese bike two years later because you'll lose your friends, right? Like it's right, it's that right, right. <laughs> you know, it's churn. Yeah. It solves churn. Interesting. And, and it solves churn and it creates referrals at scale, right? Like, I, like it's funny. Like, like I love how you, I love your terminology because you're like, I, I wanted to prove this like culture thing at scale. I'm in the same boat. Like, I'm like, I want to, I want to prove relationship building at scale, right? right? Like, how do you, you know, and I'm, and I'm like deep into this like category design kind of like mentality. And, and, and to me, that's, that's what the category is, right? Like, it's like, we have marketing, we have sales and business development, we, you know, we have all these different things, but like when you're a relationship business, how do you scale, man? Like, how do you scale relationships? And now, and now that we have social media and the ability to become content machines, to me, that's the key. So the future of it is like a, a software that incorporates all of it, right? Like the, the ability to broadcast live, to repurpose content, to be a CRM, you know, like that type of stuff. It is your thought to create the software or maybe to use something that's already out there? So my my thought right now like my my game plan right now is right now i'm a super high ticket service right like i charge 7500 bucks a month each client is 90 g's a year as i'm building these clients i have now built up enough capacity to point that same gun that i do for everybody else on myself right so and I want to, and I want to continue to do it. Like, you know, Gary V, you know who he is? Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's that kind of like philosophy, right? Like I, like I, I, I want to be paid by big companies handsomely to do this for them and make tons of money for them. So I can then service this at scale to as many people as possible to transform them that way. And then I think that my step is, you know, once I get to like 15 clients, then, then I can, you know, at that point I've, I've reached a certain scale, right? Like once, once I get beyond me being the host, which, which definitely needs to happen in the next like two or three clients. Cause I'm, I'm like here, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, and, and I'm already kind of rolling on that. Like, I think it's very easy to tell a podcaster, I'm going to pay you 1500 bucks a month to just like handle, a, you know, to be the face of a podcast and, and right. I can give you four podcasts and now you're making 70 G's a year to be a sports center anchor, you know? Right. So, so like, so once I, once I reach that scale of like scaling out beyond me hosting, then my next thing is how do I teach people to do this themselves at scale, right? So that's going to be the book that's coming out plus like the coaching program, you know, like whatever the, to me, that's cheap, right? Like I, I want to do that like 500 bucks a year. You're part of my Facebook group and I show up once a week and I help you contextualize based on this methodology. I don't plan when you, to make- when you, when you do do that, you might consider building a course out. Yeah. that's that that's what I did too and we can talk about that and it, it works super well so yeah, yeah yeah totally so so course that then funnels you into like a group coaching kind of thing right yeah. like that, yeah. that is not very expensive to maintain and that's not what I'm gonna get rich off of or anything like that yeah once that's there then you know certifying people to do this as a service is is another piece and as all that's happening you know like right now I'm I'm really like keying in on my processes. Once I, once my processes are really, really keyed in, then it's mm -hmm. about building software that handles each process. And then, you know, at first I think it's going to be like linking softwares and then, and then eventually it'll be like create a proprietary software that does it all. Mm -hmm. So I think the software play is like four or five years out. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm building out this like service business. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. 
So yeah, man. Um, how about you, dude? What's your what's your long term? Like you're thinking about doing this thing at scale. Like what's so the book is obviously first domino. Well, yeah, kind of, yeah. So the book is so. Here's what I'm finding is that someone people will read the book and then they'll kind of go through it and it's a it's a fun, quick, easy read, and they'll be like, cool. I want to sort of reproduce that in my company, and then so they'll buy the course. Mm-hmm. And the you know the course I think is like four hundred. It's four hundred dollars a person. So they'll do the course with their team, and then what I'm finding is after the course essentially creates like a like a YPO like forum, but it's kind of a with, with with guided content. So each yeah. each meeting has like a topic and a conversation, and and they'll sort of spend the the, the hour of the week uh, one an hour a week doing it together. And I'm finding when they get to the end, so far the clients that I have is they'll, the people who were in that group will then go run that course with another team within the company. So it's kind of cascading within the organization, but then, but then that group is also interested in carrying on because now they've got this sort of cadence of meeting once a week and going through content and whatever. So my next step has been to, we have been thinking about it was a little bit kind of like a Netflix, Netflix of like, let's say engaging learning and development content you know so it's it's content that you sort of you you go through together you pay a subscription for per per employee and you there's always sort of new topics or sort of programs that you can do and you you meet with your group and you go and you feel great and and the sort of the way i kind of tie it to roi is just is is retention retention and then also kind of build employee retention voluntary retention and then also building sort of a you know, like glass, what are the glass door reviews and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of more on a kind of like retention and talent wars. Yeah. yeah. Because so far that's kind of what I found to be the most tangible way of quantifying culture improvement, you know, because I find that there's like some people who CEOs who get it, they just get it, you know, mm-hmm. they just get it. They can see that it makes a difference and it's obvious to them. But then I find you have another camp who they just need like they need metrics because I guess maybe intuitively they don't really see they don't they, they it's not as obvious to them why this is important and I find that moving the needle on sort of employee retention and all that you know is kind of a good way of doing it yeah yeah like again I see so many parallels with what we do right like it's like you solve churn so first first step is you churn. solve churn yeah. second step yeah. is you start attracting awesome employees percent hundred percent that's exactly it yeah yeah. Yeah. And, and we, and we, yeah, you're right. That's actually, that was a nice, nice way of kind of drawing that parallel. You're right. I didn't, I never, it is solving churn. Yeah. hundred percent. And yeah. And doing that by, by building relationships between people. Cause when people have relationships, they don't want to leave the relationships. That's 100%. Yeah. that's it. When you kind of see it, it's kind of obvious, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's right there sort of in, in, in plain sight. And it's interesting. I'll, I'll share one thing I've been doing that might be uh, beneficial for you is to drive to drive sort of business is I've been creating sort of like I've been creating HR groups so groups of like 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 six or seven HR leaders who I'll well I'll take them through this whole program I'll do it for free I mean they'll just go through the course for you know but it's interesting because then they become like a tight group and what I find is then they go and actually take it to their companies and run it so they're typically like HR people of like YPO companies so anyway that's kind of similar to what you're doing but I don't know I thought just sort of share that with you yeah, yeah, no, it, ideas. Makes, it makes perfect sense. Like, I, I I think what we do, so the reason why I ended up going down the content route is because I think what we do is very experiential, right? Yeah. Like, if you feel yeah, it, you know it, and you're hooked, and you're in, right? So it's like, 
how can you make it experiential? For me, it's content, right? Like for me, it's like, dude, if like if you, for example, are recording these groups that you're doing, so there's there's a little bit there's a little bit different in your methodology because you say that this is a private space to begin with, right? To start. Mm-hmm. So you can't really just publish that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think that exclusive of those groups. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, mm-hmm. again, I'm not, um, this is, this is weird. Cause now this, all right. So I feel very uncomfortable, like sounding like I'm pitching people, bro, <laughs> so, but I'm just, I'm just painting the picture for you. Right. Like, cause I think anybody can do this shit. If you then go the next step of you have your groups and then the people in the group and, and you have, you've done it with multiple groups, right? So like out of each of those groups that are a part of those groups, there are people that are just like, I want to continue doing this. I want to know more about doing this. And if, and if you host a conversation with somebody that's executing it with it, that's figured out how to execute it within their own, you know, within their own level, again, in front of the rest of your groups that show up just to like continue to get more ideas of how to implement into their own things. And, you know, that's, that's one part, right? Cause now you're, now you are building this bridge to all the different groups that, that, you know, that exist. So if you're getting people from the different groups to share that collective knowledge stage to audience, and then again, recontextualizing it as much as possible and sharing, you know, like if, if your LinkedIn was made of like four posts a day of, you know, four people a month, just talking about all the different like examples of like, yeah, and then we did this and and then Jimmy didn't quit. And oh, and because we did that, you know, we attracted the best CMO in the business. And, you know, like that's when I really started loving my job. And you know what I'm saying? Like, like to me, that's the, the, the content piece I think is the, is the end key. Cause I think a lot of people mm-hmm. have figured out the community thing. It's just the way to, the way to like, since it's so experiential, like, I think it's just that last piece of content that people are struggling mm-hmm. with. And once you, because you already come in with the strategy, all you really need to do is build a small team that repurposes it and, and distributes it. And I can show you how to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I don't know. So that, 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 that's what comes to mind for me, right? Is like, is like taking that conversation one to many. And then, you know, I like to say that you don't, you never start a conversation with anybody. You just, you can hope to just enter the conversation happening in their head. Right. So to me, all the different contexts of social media is all different conversations people are having. So like some people are having a YouTube conversation. Some people are having a LinkedIn, Mm. you know, quote card conversation. Other people are having a LinkedIn article Mm. conversation. Other people are having a Mm. LinkedIn little video, you know? So like the more that you're able to recontextualize it and just show different looking people saying the same types of stories at the end of the day, people are wondering, is it interesting? Do I trust this guy? And is it for me? Right. So like, is it interesting? You know, that's going to be based on the stories that are being told. Do I trust this guy? Just how often you show up. And then is it for me? It's like, Oh, if somebody that looks like me thinks it, or if somebody with my same position thinks Mm -hmm. it, then it's for me, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just creating all those different Mm -hmm. forms of context. Yeah, no, that's really great. That makes a lot of sense. And that's, that's uh, admittedly something I haven't really, really conquered or had traction in is the, is, is, is the content element. And, and frankly, I've thought about, it's kind of in the back of my head a lot. And so what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And, and I like the way you said it, it could be, look, you've got, you, there's, there's these set meetings that are confidential or whatever, but it's, it's not very hard to have a themed conversation that is going to be like a recorded and webinar or, you know, like kind of like you're describing. So, and that could be kind of a cross section of people from a lot of different groups because those are all, because they're all kind of groups of six or seven people 
but there's people from nine countries and all these different so cross-pollinating them is even more interesting because now you're meeting new people and kind of talks about the the networking and all that yeah, yeah that's that, that's really neat and, and what you said on that podcast, there's a ton of value of somebody that's never been in your industry looking at it with a fresh set of eyes, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So mm-hmm. the cross-pollination of somebody in another group that looks at this thing in your group is like, well, why don't you do this? And you're like, uh-huh. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you no, know, there, there is value in the audience by itself that is given to the person apart from the idea that you are also making promotional material for the person on stage. Yeah. Do you, do you lead with churn? Is that kind of like, your not 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 leave a tr- what i mean to say is like ultimately like the goal isn't culture the goal is attracting the best talent or having the best retention right yeah, like yeah. yeah i i lead with content marketing bro hmm. right like that is usually that's so the two people that hire me in general are the guy that's like I buy into this Gary V guy, except every time I look at my phone, I don't know what to say. And I'm spending 20 hours a week trying to put out like a, a three minute piece on LinkedIn and it sucks and I hate mm-hmm. it. And I, and every time somebody says something funny in my office, I try to videotape it and I feel like a douche, right? Like, mm-hmm. like that guy slam dunk, right? Like don't make content about you make content about the people around you. Like be this, my company's called be the stage, right? So it's like, don't be the star be of the, the stage, stage, be the stage, right? So, so that guy's problem I solve. And then the other one that I contextualize is, you know, people that are used to being in a relationship business, right? Like the, at the end of the day, COVID accelerated my shit big time, right? Because there are no more chamber of commerce meetings. There are no more best buddies gala, right? Like there, there isn't, there isn't the bank quarterly luncheon with the economist where I can go shake hands and take business cards in. So it's like, how do you, how do you recreate this? I sell it as the recontextualization of relationship business building to the new medium that is our digital culture, right? Like I think it's a cultural shift. So I generally lead. So so that was my mindset shift is that I had to lead with the external motivation. Then the external motivation is usually I need to make more content marketing. I need to be on social media. I need to figure out how to, you know, like publish blogs. The internal motivation is I want to be a thought leader in my industry. Like I, I think that, you know, I, I, I think that what I have to give is like really, really good here. And, and, and I can, you know, if I can reposition myself in that sense, people aren't really understanding it. I, they're just not seeing it enough. You know, that's the internal one. And then the philosophical one is the idea that, you know, you don't, nobody likes to feel salesy when they feel like they have a really wonderful solution to give somebody. So, the, you know, the, the last piece of the, of the JWB kind of anecdote is this idea that Q1, they had, I have this like graph to show it. Q1, they had this like 1,200 organic leads and they sold like 22 properties. Q4, they had like 600 organic leads and they sold 52 properties. So the conditioning of like, we, we repositioned it from like, I'm going to buy a house to like, I have 200,000 bucks. How many houses do I buy for this asset class? You know, so like, it's the repositioning inside the consumer's mind of exactly what you're selling as opposed to what they think you're selling. You know what I mean? I think so. <laughs> but what I, what I do hear is that the people that you are then attracting are people who are much more clear or, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a higher percentage of, of, of the leads are closing. So it's people who really get what you're selling. Is that it? Yeah. Like, you know, in, in layman's term, it means nobody gets on the phone with you without it knowing exactly who you are because you have so much content that they're able to like right. really figure it out. So right. so like that peripheral, it's just a very efficient thing, 
right? Because like the, mm-hmm. the periphery of people that before would need a 20 minutes of your time to not get it, they'll spend two hours mm-hmm. looking at your stuff and not get it. And then the mm-hmm. people that spend two hours looking at it and get it are the people that then get on the phone with you and buy, right? Like right. it's it's that simple, right? So like if you're just, um, I so, so at the end of the day, I sell omnipresence. Right? Like, right. right, right. Yeah. So that, hey, that's- I have a question. Yeah. Uh, just, this is kind of tangential. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on like, like, I haven't really, I haven't really pursued uh, in marketing my book or my course and all that sort of the the podcast route and whatever. I don't know. If you, I wonder if you have any thoughts yeah. or guidance to share on that and how to one. I, I I guess I don't personally listen to a lot of podcasts, so mm-hmm. I assume obviously people, a lot of people do. So obviously it's obviously a good channel, but yeah, I don't know. I wonder if you have any thoughts on the right approach to that. Yeah. So spoiler alert. I got one trick and it's this one, right? Like I, 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 I think that if you were, if you were to do what I just told you to do, it would market your, you know, and you call mm. your podcast, the title of your book, right? Mm. Uh, and your YouTube show, the title of your book and you're interviewing mm. and doing all this stuff. It's all in one, right? So mm. that to me is the most efficient strategy. As far as like guesting on podcasts, I think it's a very, very good strategy, right? Like, it is, okay. so, so the, the, yeah. So podcasting is this very intimate medium. You speak really, really well. Right. So like if somebody spends 45 minutes to an hour listening to your voice, they're going to be like, I'm either in or I'm out. Right. Like, or I'm going to buy his book or I'm going to, I'm going to go follow him. There's just a gap. If you're not also putting out your own content and you're also not like publishing stuff, they're going to like opt in for an hour after the podcast, they have opted into you, but then there's got to be something in there to like nurture them you know, whether it's a sales funnel or a newsletter that you have or whatever for you to stay ahead of them. Cause I don't get the sense that you're a one call close kind of guy. Right. So like, mm. so you'll get, you'll, you'll get a positive ROI on your brand boost and stuff like from being on podcast, the lower the friction that you have to like for the next step. Right. So like mm. if your next step on a podcast is, you know, follow me on Instagram, you're going to, you're going to get that stuff to happen. If your next step on a podcast, it's like, well, if you like me, go to my website and see if you want to do business with you're, you're probably going to hear a lot of crickets and every once in a while you get somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of like, that's kind of it. But my personal strategy before I started doing all of this mm-hmm. was go to podcast conferences, right? Cause then podcast you be- conferences. Yeah. Cause then you become your own radio row. Right. Like, like I've, right. I've gone to like four podcast conferences in the last year and a half, networked the shit out of them. Like I can oh. make a phone call and get you on 10 podcasts right now. Like I, I would love for you to be on my podcast, obviously. Right. Like, but, but that's, that's the thing, right? Like make friends with 25 podcasters. And all of a sudden you're like, you have a, you have your own megaphone. And then if you have your own oh. podcast, then you have your own way to like build rapport with whomever you'd like to build a rapport with. It's, it's essentially right. the ultimate networking tool. Got it. Got it. Interesting. And you, but you didn't go to these podcast conferences in person. I, I did up until COVID, right? Like oh, literally so the weekend before, before COVID, COVID broke, I was at a podcasting conference. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, so my next move, bro, <laughs> my next move is I want to go to blogging conferences, right? Like blogging to me, conferences. yeah. Cause to me, I look at everything as stages, right? Like the way to, the way to multiply the message is stages, right? Like if I can, mm-hmm. if I can go speak at a conference in front of a thousand people, man, that's great. You know, credibility for those thousand people. But if my voice can be in someone's earphones for an hour to a hundred podcasts that have 500 people each, then mm-hmm. I'm out. 
you know, I'm out there, right? That's so right. like same thing with bloggers, same thing with whatever, right? Like I look, I look for people that have stages and I go try to make friends with them. Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's so, I think it's so, so elegant and so really well thought thought out, you know, and uh, frankly, it doesn't surprise me at all that uh, the uptick doesn't surprise me. It just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, ex- and exactly the way you, especially the way you've kind of profiled your, your client, you're right, because people do, I see it, people do have this sort of, people have understood that they need to create content. And then it's very awkward or uncomfortable for a lot of people to do that. You know, how do, how do you actually produce something that's like worthwhile? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, man, there's, there's a lot of friction between recording something and publishing it. Right. Cause like yes, you record it, then you look at it and you're like, Oh my God, I sound like that. Oh, I'm going to edit this. And then, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of it, man. That's what, like, I, I tell people, and I took this from the guys that originally repurposed my content, they're content geniuses. These guys, they're two Venezuelan brothers that live here. They have this like, con- they have these two concepts that I've totally, I haven't made them my own, but I've become a, a very much an ambassador for them. Number one is minimum viable content, right? Like, Get the least amount of friction to get it out, bro. So going live on Facebook, at least it's out. And then you yeah, can download it. Then you can then you can edit it later, whatever, but at least it's out. And that allows mm. you to get feedback, right? Like your own mm. feedback because you look at it, other people opt in and, and feedback. So they champion this thing called 45 Live, which is go live on Facebook for 45 days in a row. And you're going to see that somewhere between day 20 to 30, you're going to get so busy with inbound attention that you're going to quit. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's kind of, that's kind of what their journey was. And by the way, I was that guy that hired them in day 20 something and then brought them into this big contract. And then that totally changed the trajectory of their business. Then I did it and it changed the trajectory for me. Like I, in, in, in general, that shit works. Right. Cause you're, you're finding your voice, right? Like if you're, and you're getting more used to it and it's, you know, it's a new form of public speaking, man. Yeah. Your, 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 your delivery is so inspiring and so easy to digest. So, Thank you, man. Yeah. I've been, dude, I, pre- I really appreciate that feedback, man. Cause that's really what I value the most, right. Is like being able to communicate and people being able to receive it. I mean, you could say something, well, that, but if it doesn't land. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, I mean, that's what to me communication is, right? Like yeah. it's, <laughs> um, it's, it's how people receive it. Yeah. And it's, and I'll tell you, dude, it's been, it's been a solid, just three straight years of like being in it and iterating, right? Like from the beginning of that track where I was just like, well, I left this e-commerce company. I'm just going to go fucking take 90 days and iterate through, right? Like that was good advice by your wife, by the way. That's fantastic advice. The, the, The space to just, I like the way you put that. You said that being not enamored, but, but like falling in love with the next step, you know, and that's, that's my Achilles heel. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to be able to recognize that and to be able to create that that you know to to, to create the space and vision out ten years yeah. and, re- and reverse engineer. You can reverse engineer everything, anything almost. Mm-hmm. Right. Start with the end in mind. Know your why. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's all it's all the same. Like now, first of all, yes, my wife is my muse, and like I, you know, fantastic. And uh, yeah, the way the way I describe it now. So as as I was doing that, I was like really really anxious, and then I read. Have you ever read Never Split the Difference? Yes. Yeah. You and I have similar, like you're a big Ralph Waldo Emerson got me. I mean, I right behind him and that's a great, that's a great book. So as I'm reading that, like in like week two of that 90 day thing, he talks about like in negotiation, like 
Western philosophies about action, but Eastern philosophy, like inaction is power, right? So I'm like, okay, so I'm taking my like inaction power move right here, right? So like that started getting me. And then again, all my message reiterates because I talk so freaking much. Now what I say is you can't get perspective without distance, right? Like you need, you need to, you need to step away from something to, to like really appreciate what it is, right? Bro, can I can I offer you uh, uh, the what I, what I what I have found to be the ultimate distance, like Please. the ultimate distance, a ten day silent meditation retreat. Dude, I've been dying to do that. Bro, I did my first one. So really quickly, you know, I my first business was uh, fashion swimwear, did great, and then exited and ended, ended up doing a, took a role at corporate corporate France. You know, so I was in, in Paris doing a corporate gig. And and it was tough to do that because when you have ADD, if you're an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter. But if you're in a corporate environment, you can't really get biased. So I started taking Ritalin, mm. and uh, and it was it was like it's weird in a way it, it helped a lot, but in another way it like it kind of graded on my like nervous system. It, it, and only my closest people around me were like, I don't know if this is such a good idea. And I was like 27, 28. And like, really, like, I really had an issue with the concentration, the focus. I was just like scattered, you know. I feel and, you. Man. And I take things personally. So, very, you know, very snappy and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, bro, like, I, if the next 30, 40 years are going to look this way, forget it. Like, I don't, not worth it. This is going to suck. And I heard about this 10 day silent meditation retreat. And I couldn't sit still for like five seconds, you know, and go for 10 days without a phone, without uh, no communication, nothing. Anyway, 2010, September, 2010, I did it uh, right before my five-year business school reunion lost. I mean, I left the job. I just, I, and I just, I was just not comfortable, you know, just being, I wasn't at peace. <sighs> 10 days later, man. I mean, when I tell you, I was just like on a, like elevated and it's like maybe the way i describe it is something like someone who just took hallucinogenic drugs or something and whatever but it was bone sober <laughs> you know like no yeah. caffeine no meats no and i said to myself man my whole life i've been looking for like a path that's gonna give me like that comfort connect to my intuition just make me feel good and happy and i found it so i can't justify not doing this and so I've done one every year since Amazing. every, every holiday, Christmas time, New Year's, I go to one of these things, 10 days and, and, it, and I come out usually right after New Year's and it's already the best decision I've made that year. So if ever you're interested, especially after the pandemic clears out, we can talk about it whenever. And I know all the good centers. It's amazing. I'm it's free. super, super interested. It's, it's like, I've done a lot of, you know, I've done the Tony Robbins. I did my first firewalk of Tony, the Tony Robbins firewalk when I was 10 years old, you know, like <laughs> I've, done, I've been on the personal like growth kick for a long time, but ROI, nothing has been more impactful. So yeah, have you consider ever done, it. Have you ever done, ha, ha, experimented with like medicine with like the. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I, um, ayahuasca done and most things. I mean, what, 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 what's, what's, what's on the roster? Ayahuasca, LSD. <laughs> mushrooms i would man like after right when i did that thing the vipassana when i came back from france I, like i ended up going to bowl i lived in boulder colorado which is like the, you know like yeah, epicenter yeah, of all this kind of yeah, stuff like a year City. and a half i just you know have you yeah man so i am um, only recreationally 
<laughs> like, like I've, I, I, I definitely, I've, I've done, I did mushrooms for the first time, like studying abroad in college. And then since then, I probably average about once a year of doing mushrooms. And I really, really enjoy it, right? Like I do feel like it untangles some shit in the brain. Untangles, uh, absolutely. Yeah. My, my wife and I are looking into ayahuasca right now. Yeah, I, I can look. My experience of that was, look, I did a lot of silent meditation retreats beforehand. Yeah. And so there wasn't, here's how I describe it. The big rocks were moved. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Th- there wasn't, because you sit alone for a long time, a lot of things come up and you, you have nowhere to go. And so you, you face it and then you move on to the next thing. So I wasn't really surprised by anything. It wasn't like, oh, this one time when I was seven years old, this happened and boom, you know, like I wasn't, I wasn't blindsided. So it was a pretty, because people have like, can have pretty shaky experiences from yeah. it. So, yeah, yeah. but pretty amazing, pretty amazing yeah. experience. Yeah, that might be on. So like, we're talking to this like center down in like South Florida to go do it down there in the next couple of months and see if, see if we can figure it out. So we're, that's likely happening. And uh, yeah, man, I've been very intrigued, man. So one of my, one of my early clients like early 2019, it was, is this like spiritual guru lady, Jack O'Keefe. And, uh, you know, that's when the, like the idea of a silent retreat really started coming into my consciousness, but it's, you know, honestly, the hardest part for me is trying to figure out how to get away for 10 days. Like that seems like so much, <laughs> but got to figure it out. Right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I have with sort of fine 10 days. Do you have, do you have children? No, nah, no children. So that's no. that's way so easier. That, yeah. that makes it easier. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah, I've always done a kind of Christmas holidays because yeah. everyone's kind of doing their own thing. You know, yeah. it's depending yeah. on family obligations. It's like very demanding. <laughs> right. <laughs> like we're we're like tight knit Hispanic up each other's butts, yeah. you know, like Catholic. Yeah, yeah you you're know. doing what? You're doing what for 10 days? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, man. We'll, we'll see, I, you know, more, more than anything, I, I, I think I just need to build it into my, I, you know, our, our goal end of this year is not so much financial as much as like systematize our company so that we are running this thing and I can be away for 10 days. Right. Like yeah, that is, yeah. that is, that is my overall more so than more so than monetary influence. I want to build the death star to, to like that runs for itself, you know, like, yeah. and then, and, and then. I, I know, I know my long tail monetization is huge. Right. So like, and I'm not, you know, struggling for cash or anything like that. So yeah, that's, that's kind of, so maybe, maybe by 2012 or whatever, right. Like that's, that's kind of. We'll yeah. See. Well, listen, if ever, if ever you want to kind of riff on that, as, you know, a lot of like my previous turnaround work was like, you know, like businesses, eight, nine million, $10 million businesses that had no processes yeah. And transitioning from an owner who'd run it with like 80 hours a week. And so I have a lot of, I've done a lot of that, just kind of transitioning the processes and whatnot. And, and the other thing is, is if you like, I send you an access to my course. When you want, you can go through it so that when you start thinking about yours, I appreciate that, you know, it might give you kind of a, hopefully save you some time and think about how to sort of set it up to, yeah, streamline it. You know, that might be helpful. That would be amazing, man. And I'm going to, I would love to have you on my podcast, obviously. Right. Right. Yeah. I'd love to be. Yeah. So usually I, so I do a lot of like this and then sometimes I'll just turn this call into a podcast, but I think it's worth it to just like straight up interview you and get your whole life experience out like very deliberately. Cause I think it's really, really valuable. And of course I make shitloads of content for you afterwards. 
And I, I, I love to be friends, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, think, I think we've established that already. And right, Brian, cool. I think Brian had the, the, the right intuition. He, you know, yeah. he, he picked up on it real quick. Brian's a fascinating dude, man. I really, I really like that guy. Yeah, same, same. And he's got a light, a brightness to him that it makes it easy to be, for me to be quick friends. It was just very easy to be attracted to the person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. I, I say, I, 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 t- I tell him that he's like, a, he's like a sip of tea for my brain. Like, it's just like very like soothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. You, you kind of have a little bit of that going on yeah, too, which is yeah. cool. I'm like, I'm like super high wired. Like, so I like that. <laughs> hey, just as completely unrelated, but still related, man, I hope we can go to Venezuela together one day. I hope so too. Man, I, I really, I've known a lot of Venezuelans, especially living in Costa Rica, and I spent a lot of time in Miami, and yeah, fabulous people, and so I, I know what it's like to be estranged from one's country, and yeah. typically, I mean, I've been to a lot of places, but when people are like, where do you want to go? It's Venezuela, especially because it's just very difficult to go there right now, so yeah. Yeah, man, I, I really appreciate you saying that. So anyway, we'll, we'll put out the intention, and Hopefully sooner than later we can we can put it out there, bro. Maybe we can go to Los Roques or uh, or uh, Salto Angel or whatever, man. Like I'm done. I, like honestly, man. Like I'm a, I'm a stranger to my country these days, totally. Right. Word. And yeah, um, I get it. And it's one of these places. Like when my wife and I went to my wife's Venezuelan also. When we went to Hawaii mm. for our honeymoon, we're like, "Fuck, Venezuela is like this." Like why why did we I, know, it up? I know, I <laughs> know. You know, like <laughs> so. So yeah, yeah. Man, that's some beautiful shit. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate you. Hey, this has been wonderful. I'm gonna, I gotta send Brian a thank you to uh, for yeah, making the introduction. Thank, thanks for uh, connecting, man. I've really this has been great. Likewise, bud. I look forward to growing this relationship, man. Yeah, me too. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye. The key to building your relationship flywheel will rely in your ability to design and build your own stage where you can have conversations with people, getting to know them, understanding their value, and sharing it to the world. This is the service that I offer, and I offer it to $100 million companies where we're setting record-breaking sales goals with it. If you want to know more about that, go to connectwithpablo.com. If you're just an individual that wants to build it, subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to my email list on my website because coming soon is a community where I'm going to teach this to you personally. Go to connectwithpablo.com.